Hey, everybody. We are back at Winning at Work, where we like to have a weekly conversation with HR leaders to help you perform well at work. Why is it important to win at work? Because you may want a promotion. You may want to grow your career. You may want to switch jobs. And what are some of the barriers that get in the way of winning at work? Well, sometimes people don't know how to keep score. And this week, we're going to help you keep score in the communication column with Nina Woodard. And Nina is a lecturer at the Forbes School of Business, the Forbes College of Business at Ashford University. She's also a part of Cal Sherm, and she brings many years of experience in the baking industry as an HR professional. So we're going to talk about communication, but say hello to Nina and definitely drop your questions and comments in the chat. We love to make this an interactive show. So we want to make you as much a part of the show as we are. So Nina, how's it going? Very well. Thank you. Thanks so much for inviting me to be on the show. And I'm really looking forward to sharing some thoughts around communication with everyone today. Well, and I have to ask you, what is it like communicating with your students? I know that Forbes is a online school, but with COVID happening, have there been any major adjustments that you have to undergo? Well, luckily, because we are online, we were online, so we could continue through COVID. But the thing, not only COVID, we've had fires and floods and tornadoes and hurricanes and for a college like uh, or university like Ashford, the students are all over the U.S. Mm-hmm. So as faculty members, we've had to be very careful about deadlines and things and allowing the students to have extensions because of all the different things that have been going on in their lives and the, the stress that they've been under to sort of meet them where they are and help them through the classes. And um, in all the last, the classes since this started this year, I really had to work closely with the students to help them stay engaged and not lose traction toward their educational goals, uh, which are really important to them. Most of the the students that I get are in their junior or senior year, and they're very close to graduation. So helping them not lose out on their class and be able to finish it with a satisfactory grade just by accommodating their whatever's happening in their lives at the at that moment. So that's been the biggest thing because we are already online. Yeah, well, okay, so that's a big thing is the being gracious uh, with those deadlines. I hadn't even thought of that, but you're in the field, so I always like hearing from experts who are who are in the midst of things as opposed to folks like me who may just sit back and and just assume and assume the wrong wrong things. You know, I've, we've had situations where electricity's been out, so there was no way to get to any kind of a computer to be able to do their work or submit their work. And because of the storms that hit the, you know, hit in the Florida area and uh, along the coast there, um, people have not had capability to get into the class. Other people have had family emergencies, and because everybody's at home, they have to, you know, take care of that family emergency. So all of these different kinds of perils have come the way of the students as they're trying to live every day and go to school. So it's been really important. And, and Ashford promoted with faculty to be aware and to be understanding of what the students might be facing and to work with them where we could. Awesome. Well, it's uh, people may not know that I am on the uh, advisory board for the HR program at Forbes School of Business. And so thank you, Nina, for all you do to help shape the students' lives and their professions. Oh, it's an honor, really. It really is an honor. So, Nina, one of the fun things we do on the show is we like to play a game called Two Truths and a Lie. 
And uh, they started kind of organic, but people like it. So if you are watching and you don't know how this game is played, I'm going to ask Nina to share two truths and a lie about herself. And you can guess in the comment section which one you think is the lie. And uh, we still haven't figured out a prize yet, but maybe we should do like a Starbucks gift card or something like that. But let's let's go ahead, Nina. Give us your three things, and then I'm going to guess which one's the lie, and we're going to open it up to everybody that's watching to okay, share great. the lie. Well, well, I've really had a very blessed life and career, and I've really lived and worked kind of all over the world. So I'm going to share some things that I have done to Truth and a Lie. So um, I lived in Wyoming for a good long time, and at one point I went deer hunting, uh, all licensed and all of that, and I took down a deer on the very first shot, and it was my very first time out. So it was a one-shot successful deer hunt. I also live in Colorado right now, and I've been skiing at Breckenridge many times and, and really enjoyed that experience and that adventure. And I was able, when I was in Dubai, to go wadi bashing, and that was a really amazing and fun experience. Wait, uh, why, why are you bashing? What, what is that? It's uh, riding on the sand dunes in a four-wheeler and bashing up against them and driving over them and around them. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Just trying to just trying to tweak, get, get to know things a little bit better. Okay. And then what's the other one? So I said a one-shot deer hunt. Deer? Uh, skiing at Breckenridge. Skiing at Breckenridge. And wadi bashing in Dubai. Wadi bashing in Dubai. Uh, for those of you that are tuning in, go ahead and you can answer if you think it is the deer hunting, the skiing, or the wadi bashing. Nina, I take you as an adventurous person, so I would think that you have done the wadi bashing in Dubai because that's such a random thing to lie about anyway. So I feel like if you've done it, then you want to tell the whole world about it. And then uh, what's next? I am going to say that you have a caveat. I'm going to say maybe you've gone deer hunting, but you didn't get that first shot kill. So that's my guess. My guess is the not deer hunting. Uh, Renee says, Renee Reynolds, hey, Renee, thanks for tuning in on LinkedIn. She says skiing in Colorado is the lie. So Renee doesn't think you went to Breckenridge or you go to Breckenridge often, even though you live in Colorado. If anyone else is tuning in and they want to drop your, your guesses, we'll give a quick little five second countdown. Go ahead, get those answers in. If not, Nina, you're going to tell us which one it was. Go ahead, Nina, tell us which one is the lie. So she's right. I've never been skiing. Oh. I've lived in snow areas all over the place. I lived in New York. I lived in Wyoming and I live here in Colorado and I've never, ever been skiing. Wait, did you two coordinate this beforehand? Because I would have never guessed skiing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she knows me. <laughs> <laughs> so so I got to know, how did you become such an expert marksman in deer hunting? Well, it was really a fluke. And that's why it's, why it's an amazing on my checklist of things that I've done in my lifetime. Because my husband took me and placed me on a rock and said, sit here and the deer will pass in front of you. And when they do, just try to get one if you can, right? And yeah. he went off to go get a deer. And I sat there and I just kind of practiced aiming at things that might be jumping along in front of me there. And when the deers came, I just 
I just took a shot and, and it was a one deer shot and it was a good deer. We ate it. We didn't, we treated it respectfully. Yeah. So it wasn't just a, you know, just an honorary or a, a honorary kill. It was an honorary mm-hmm. um, use of the meat and stuff. So, so that was an adventure for me too. All right. Well, I, I love that story and I love the diversity of, of, of you as a human resources professional. You know, not only are you an expert in communication, but Sounds like you're a, a, a pretty good marksman or a lucky marksman and um, <laughs> you enjoy the, the outdoors. So the big conversation we want to have today is all about communication. And um, sometimes if we're thinking about work, um, we're not winning at work because our words can get in the way. Nina, what's the big thought you want to share with the audience today? In every relationship in our lives, communication is really at the core of whether or not that relationship is going to be successful in our families, in our relationships with our siblings, with our neighbors. And when we get to work where we spend so much of our time, um, even virtually now, we're still spending a lot of time with our colleagues at work on Zoom meetings. And we're hearing a lot now about Zoom fatigue, but using Slack and using other team building things to communicate with our colleagues. And communication is really at the core of whether we can get things done or whether we spend time feeling concerned or angry or maybe excluded from what's happening in the workplace where we should really be a bigger part of it all. So I see communication on top of emotional intelligence. Uh, So communicating from an understanding place and a place where it's not all about me, it's what do I need to understand about you and where you are uh, that really makes the big a big difference in the way you approach each other with a high level of respect and a high level of trust. I hear that, Nina. And some may argue that you mentioned that communication is how we get things done. But what if there's someone watching this that says, no, communication isn't how we get things done. Doing things is how we get things done. What would you say to that person? Yeah, well, you're right. You have to do things. However, especially at work, And some people are solo contributors or individual contributors, but they are contributing a part of something that creates a whole, which is the overall organizational goal. And there are many interdependencies and many of us, especially at work, and I know in our personal lives, we really can't do everything by ourselves. So for example, for me to be on the show this morning, my daughter works and she works at home and she has an office outside. And I'm a caregiver, as I was sharing with you, Joey, uh, a caregiver for my husband who had a stroke. So for me to be on air with you for half an hour, I asked her if she communicated with her via text and said, you know, he's all settled in, but can you check in on him in a few minutes and see if he's okay because I'm going to be tied up. And so she communicated back. So we can't, even though we have control over our environment and we're by ourselves, for a good part of doing what we do, we we need help from time to time and we have to be able to to communicate with others to get that support to be successful doing what we do. So you can't do it if you don't have the right support to do it. And sometimes you have to ask for it, which requires communication. And sometimes you have to go out and get it yourself because it's not going to come your way otherwise. But still always you're going to have to communicate about the fact that you need that support or need something more than you have, the resources that you have right now to do what you're 
trying to accomplish or do. Yeah, no, Nina, I love it. And uh, for those of you that are watching, I would love to hear from you. What are some of the struggles that you have with asking for help? Um, Because not all of us are wired to be able to reach out freely and ask for assistance and seek guidance and direction and things can get in our way for various reasons. So I'd love to hear what barriers people are having. But then another thing that I I wanted to talk about and ask you, Nina, is with people transitioning more to working remotely, how are you seeing communication change or what are some of the tweaks that we need to be making in our communication skills to thrive as uh, expert communicators online? Well, I have to laugh because in my class for organizational development, when I taught it live, I would always say, you know, a good conversation is not a tweet. Well, <laughs> things are changing now every day. So now text messages are, are an important part of the communication process. And we have to be careful about how we use all of these tools that are available to us to communicate, especially since we're virtual. And I remember one time I sent a message to my boss when, and I'm so old, I was around before texting was a thing, right? So texting was early on then and not everybody did it. And I sent a text message to my boss and he goes, what the heck are you talking about? This is so cryptic, I can't understand a thing you're saying, right? And I thought that I had been pretty explicit in the text message that I sent him. So we have to understand that when we use the tools that are available to us to communicate, we want the message to be clear. And we want, especially when we're talking about work and using emojis can maybe send a feeling or a flavor of the conversation to somebody. But when we're talking about in a professional context and in our place of work, we want to make sure that we send the right signals about our level of professionalism. And what we're asking for needs to be taken seriously. So we need to write it in a way that it can be understood. So communication isn't only about talking, it's also about hearing and ensuring that the person hears what your message is by asking for feedback. So it's a loop, it's a 360 degree loop of sending and receiving. One of the things that I find that we do a lot is that we talk and then when the person, other person is responding to us, instead of listening to what they say, we're thinking about what we're gonna say next. So we don't really hear what they have to say. So listening is a really key component to having a successful communication experience with other people. I couldn't agree more. And it looks like Renee joined us. She's got a question, she says, uh, or a comment, and Nina, I'd love your take on this. The barrier that she's having is not asking for help, but when asking for help or giving suggestions to another branch, they take offense to her suggestions because it's out of her lane. What are some of the things you're seeing in that in that statement and, and how might you support Renee and her desire to be an effective and well-received communicator? Yes, Renee, that is a part of, of a bigger issue. And of course, I'm going to have to say to you that I don't know the whole context. So what I say may appropriately fit. Uh, Part of it is winning the respect of others for them to know that you have something of value to contribute. And so being really good at what you do and how you do it and how you deliver it can open the door for you to be able to communicate with them about your suggestions, but also doing it in a way that doesn't indicate that you don't respect 
or expect that they know what they're doing. Making sure that the way you present the idea is something, this may not work, but in another environment, I saw something like this and it might be helpful now too. I don't know. I'm just offering it as a suggestion to you. So um, rather than giving it as a here, do this and this will work kind of a fait accompli idea, maybe just offering it as a softer, more subtle general suggestion until they might reach out to you at some point and say, hey, Renee, you've had so many good ideas before. Tell us one now that you think might solve this problem. So it's kind of building that sort of credibility with them over time to at least experience. I also have a theory called hoeing the field. So a lot of times you have to get make the ground fertile for them to listen to you. So you keep talking to them or you keep sharing ideas. You keep talking about thoughts that you have that might be helpful. Uh, and then at some point, they might actually take on something you said as their own idea. And that's the point where you know that you've actually furrowed the ground and planted the seeds for good communication to, to continue on from that point. Does that make any sense to you, Renee? I hope so. I hope so too. And Renee, definitely uh, we value your comments. So if you're still watching, keep, keep uh, chatting. Jumpstart HR is changing the face of the HR industry with their outsourcing, project consulting, and phone support. Enabling startups and small businesses to outsource their HR needs from anywhere in the U.S. From new business and legal compliance to employee performance management and outplacement services. Within the business community, Jumpstart HR is a trusted and reliable service. In fact, companies like Forbes, HR.com, and Inc. Magazine have all featured Jumpstart HR for their easy-to-use, hourly, monthly, and on-call support that is tailored specifically to each client's needs. This saves clients like you a lot of time and money. To learn more, schedule your free HR evaluation today at jumpstart-hr.com slash contact. Uh, but I agree. Um, you said a few things that I would I would want to respond to because it was they were really good nuggets. You started and you said, instead of giving suggestions authoritatively or as, hey, do this, uh, the consideration is always a, a good way to soften and say, hey, I've seen it work somewhere else or, you know, you might want to try those sorts of things are super, super helpful because I've heard someone say a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And when you want to uh, persuade or some, you have to make it seem like if you lob the softball and said, hey, I think you should do X, Y, Z. There's this mental trick of them saying, you know what? I hear your suggestion and I'm going to own that and I'm going to turn it into my idea. And so that's a way to let you mention that I really agree with and that's worked a lot for me, especially as a, as a consultant going into different places. And when you are a consultant going into different places, they do expect you to perform, but at the same time, you have to respect their environment and know that there may be some things that are different about their environment that are unique to them that aren't happening in other areas that you've influenced. Yeah, exactly. Because context is everything and you have to be in the moment. Right. So, you know, there are many components to successful communication, but mindfulness is another one. And mindfulness means be with me here right now 
with what's happening in the moment. So that's an important component. Yeah. So Renee's got a deeper dive here. She says the other branch is the marketing branch that promotes her store, which is now only accessible online. What I might suggest, Renee, is whenever you're talking with them, maybe talk to them at, and, and say, well, what works for you as a customer? So, for example, if you shop online, you may say, hey, you know, I think that we want to consider doing this X, Y, and Z. It's been really effective because I really love shopping at Target or Walmart or Amazon or whatever. And now with the shift to the more online ordering, having the information presented in this way helps a lot or being able to find the buttons big and clear helps a lot. And so it helps when you're credible, not from a expert perspective, but as a as a potential customer perspective. I hope that makes sense. But basically, when you can say what's worked for you in another arena, that can be well received as well. And Renee, if you have feedback from your customers about their experience of what the online store looks like, and you can feed that back to the marketing team, they might also appreciate that viewpoint. Definitely. Uh, Sandra says, hi, Sandra. She says, would using credible sources aid in this to help Renee? Nina, I may not, uh, I'll, I'll let you go and then I'll hold my comments because I, I may have something to say about this. But go ahead, Nina. Take it away. So it depends. And especially in this situation, I, I told Joy I was probably going to use that phrase too many times in this because every scenario uh, and every HR question and answer. Uh, the, the correct answer for it is it depends first. And then what does it depend on? So it depends on the context of the, uh, the issue that you're trying to resolve and whether or not that credible source would be respected by those, by the marketing people, for example, in this case that Renee is working with. Uh, and also it, whether or not the response or, or the question that you're asking is going to cost more money because that could also lead to a different response in terms of not being able to afford it, perhaps, especially in this time of COVID, for example. Yeah, I, I was going to say that they t they usually they sometimes don't help. Of course, like Nina said, it depends. But sometimes when we use credible sources, people feel like we're a know-it-all. And uh, that can be off-putting as well if we say, you know, statistics show X, Y, Z, or other people have done this and here's the source of why they did it this way. I think from my perspective, you can use the credible sources, but I wouldn't lead with those. I would say, you know, maybe go a layer deeper and say, well, help me understand why you're trying to accomplish your goal. And then when you start to understand the why behind the ask, that allows you to then say, oh, okay, well, I've read something about that or I have seen something about that. And when you show people that you're on their side and helping them, as opposed to being the know-it-all, that can go a long way. What's the saying? Uh, people care how much you know until they know how much you care. Take the few seconds to peel the onion back a bit and, and get to the why behind the question. I think you can use credible sources all day long, but not before then. And I would really agree with what Joey said earlier, too. For Renee, probably the best way to overcome the obstacle that she's facing is to either use personal experience and what is important to her as a shopper or be able to, as I shared, be able to provide customer feedback that says, please do this for me or show me how to do this or make it easier to get 
to this location on the website kind of thing. And that will be something that the marketing team will listen to and will open the door for, for her to be able to share more information. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Well, we're going to, we're going to keep it rolling here. Nina, let's say uh, if there's a circumstance at work and you just had a disagreement with your supervisor and you don't agree with the direction that they want to go, that could be a quick way to lose at work and jeopardize not only your career or uh, your job, your role, but also your, um, your respect and credibility at work. So how would you navigate a situation where you just walked out of the boss's office or you just hit the X button on the Zoom box because uh, we're all virtual these days, but uh, and, and you just didn't agree? What would Nina do next? So this is really a hard one, because if you know that they're headed down a pathway that's not going to work, either from your personal experience or from a previous experience, and if you shared that with them and they've said, no, this is what we're going to do, ultimately... They are the boss and they have the power to make that decision. And usually if it's their decision that's been made, it will fall to them if it fails. So we always have the choice to let them know that we don't, that we don't agree with their decision. However, we want to, and if you want to maintain your professional relationship with them, however, I'm going to support you and do the best I can for you, given what your decision is, is a good way to go. Now, if it's an ethical decision and they've moved in an unethical way, then perhaps you want to stick to your guns and say, I'm not going to do this regardless. And if your company has a whistleblower policy or if you can go above your manager it may be worth it to you to take that step to not bend your own ethics or to move in a direction that you deem as unethical. That also is a very tough decision, but sometimes you have to be willing to make that and stand for what you believe is right. And if the organization is worth its salt as an organization, it will support you in your effort of, you know, stemming unethical behavior because traditionally organizations don't want unethical behavior to be the way that they conduct themselves. So if it's that kind of a thing, you might take a different stance. But if it's just a, you know, an approach or a methodology that they want to follow, they're the boss, they hired you, they decide the direction, do the best you can to support them in it. And then in the end, if if you get to the point where your decision was better than theirs or would have been, don't say, I told you so, but mm. just offer it as the next step. Well, let's try this then, because we've tried what you wanted to do in the first place, but let's see if the other option works, right? Not, I told you so, but just come back and let's try to rework it to save it. Let's bring it back to some place where it's going to be beneficial. And if they were right, I mean, a couple of times in my career, I suggested something. The CEO said, no way. Usually it was about communicating something to employees and come, being up front with it. And a couple of times he said, no, we need to wait a while longer because this I think this is going to work itself out and we don't need to make a big deal out of it. And it would just panic everybody if we did it. And so he, I had to go along with him. He was my boss. And in the end, he was right. It did resolve itself very quickly and there was no issue to it. So I actually went into him and told him. I said, thank you for saving me from myself because I always jump to action first. 
And in this case, it was really good to wait, right? It was really good to give it some time and space and, and see more fully what the scenario was all about. So be willing to go back to the boss and say, you know, in the re- beginning, I didn't see your vision fully, or I was letting it, I was judging it by something I experienced in the past. And this was really, this really took a different turn this time. Lena, I think we're really going to help some people. We're going to help a lot of people with this episode today because so many of us wrestle with this idea of, of effective communication and something that that sprouted from the last comment that you made is about, to me, about honesty, honest communication. And um, I guess my final question for you before we, before we wrap the show would be, <clears throat> A, do you think enough people are honest at work and say what, what's on their mind, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And if not, why do you think we're not as honest at work as we could or should be? That's a really great question. And my answer to it is probably no people are not as honest at work as they should be with each other. And a lot of it is because in the workplace and many workplaces, they don't cultivate a trusting environment that makes it okay to share your opinion with people without offending them. And, you know, I taught one of the leadership classes that I taught. I used the book by Kim Scott called Radical Candor. And I love that book. It's an awesome book. And I thought that it taught very good principles to to up and coming managers, because it's all about creating that climate of truthfulness and being straightforward with your team and showing your level of vulnerability as the leader, and then being able to listen to what your team members have to say and take it as a valued contribution. And by you doing that, the team members begin to then share with each other as well, because they know the environment is one that's built on trust. And everyone, as I said in I think early in the beginning of the show that we're all working toward the same kind of goal for success of the company so that we have jobs for the future. We have a sustainable organization, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't think that people do have that trusting environment or don't feel like that trusting environment is there at work. And I guess I would encourage people who are listening to try to start to build trust with your teammates in a way that allows you to feel comfortable in sharing information with them. And you can connect with them as a human being. That's where the trust comes from. And as human beings, we have more in common than we have differences because we're all working for a common goal. We're all, especially at work, but in our families too, we're striving to try to accomplish something as a family to raise our kids, to buy a house, to get our kids through college, whatever that might be at work. We're trying to help the organization build and grow, sustain our jobs, be able to grow and develop and have a career that's going to last us over time. So with that kind of trusting environment, we can begin to actually strengthen the fabric of the organization for the long term. Excellent. Nina, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Are there any projects you're excited about? How can we get in contact with you? And if there's any parting thoughts that you want to share with our Winning at Work audience. Thank you for this opportunity. So you mentioned I'm on the CalSherm board. And right now we're in the middle of a mega virtual conference, a mega 2020 conference. If you go to the uh, San Diego Sherm website, I know I live in Colorado, but I'm a past president of San Diego and I'm still on the California State Conference as a member of the Continuity Committee for Sustainability for the State Conference because I've been around, as I said earlier, so long. 
Uh, so I'm still connected to California pretty profoundly. This mega conference is nine chapters that came together to put together a virtual conference. If you're doing business in California, it's directly and specifically related to California laws and California uh, scenarios that are going on right now in the COVID environment, as well as a wonderful professional development experience for HR leaders and practitioners. And you can join now and the virtual program is going to be available until October the 9th. So you still have plenty of time and there's a lot of professional development credits available. So that would be one thing I would plug mega 2020 California conference for CalSherm and the two chapters are San Diego and Sacramento that are leading the charge with uh, I think seven others. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Nina, thanks. Thanks. Oh, did you have one more thing? I was just going to say, and to reach me, I have a website. That's my name. So if you search www.ninaewoodard.com, ninaewoodard.com, you'll find all my contact information. And I'm on LinkedIn, of course. (laughs) Excellent, Nina. Uh, Glad to have you on the show. And thanks for helping the mission to help employees all across the world uh, win at work. So I think we accomplished that. And thanks to everyone who participated in the chat, who liked and shared and commented. And uh, we made it a great show. So we'll see you next week at 4 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Just like always. Take care. Thank you, Joey.